0: Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts. Uh, I'm the host, Justine Coray, and my guest today is Kate Looms, a European specialist in veterinary anesthesia, involved in the care of horses at the Rainbow Equine Hospital. Hi, Kate, and thanks for being here today. Hi, Justine, you're very welcome. Uh, Could you please introduce yourself a little bit before we start talking more in depth about your publication so our listeners can know a little bit more about you? Uh,
1: So I work at Rainbow Equine Hospital. I oversee the general anesthesia service that we provide. I became interested in anesthesia when I worked in mixed practice. And then I went to Liverpool University to undertake an anesthesia internship and then A residency in veterinary anaesthesia and analgesia and then I joined the team at Rainbow in the summer of 2017
0: okay thank you Uh, so that leads us to our topic for today about your article uh, called is general anesthesia avoidable for limb fracture repair in horses um, my first question would be, uh, that you mentioned in your article that, um, there are a lot of anesthesia related mortality in horses. Um, could you specify a bit, the like the, if there are main reasons that, um, commonly lead to mortality in horses related to anesthesia or are there like isolated case?
1: Um, I suppose, so there are a few factors that we know increase anaesthetic-related mortality in horses, and we do know that the time of highest risk to the horses during the recovery phase, and particularly in horses, this increased risk risk may be largely due to perhaps their temperament, the flight nature of horses, and their large size, so it makes it difficult to safely intervene in recovery to help a horse have a safe recovery. Intraoperatively, um, peri-anesthetic mortality in horses may be attributable to to cardiorespiratory factors, um, and and a horse may be more at risk than their small animal counterparts due to the anatomical and physiological changes which, which happen during recumbency in horses, particularly dorsal recumbency in horses. So unlike small animal species and humans, horses are not really accustomed to spending any time in recumbency for long periods and they're unlikely to ever intentionally lie in dorsal recumbency. So the physiological impact of dorsal recumbency in horses given their large abdominal volume and weight relative to the thorax and their unique shape of the diaphragm may also contribute to cardiorespiratory challenges for the horse. So there are a few factors that will impact anaesthetic-related risk in horses intraoperatively um, and postoperatively in recovery. And I would, I would definitely say that the that the recovery phase in horses is is their biggest challenge.
0: Okay, um, and I see that you mentioned that. Um, that cases were reported and then um that death post anesthesia uh corresponded to non colic cases and also uh 7.8% to colic cases uh so what are the other main reasons than colic in horses that lead to um, well death? i think we
1: we talk about colic a lot because it's the most common or the most commonly researched post anesthetic morbidity in horses But other post-anesthetic morbidities may include respiratory complications, musculoskeletal complications, such as neuropathy and myopathy, which leads to difficulty in standing safely and post-anesthetic lameness. Ocular injury has also been reported after general anesthesia, along with other causes um, which may become serious, such as catheter-associated complications, which of course are not unique to horses undergoing general anesthesia. And we must also think about surgical site complications, which again also include horses that are either having general anaesthesia for their procedure or or are undergoing procedures under standing sedation. Um, So the post-anesthetic morbidity, I suppose, can affect any of their body systems.
0: Okay. Okay. And also, you mentioned that um, in your paragraph uh, of several times that um, it is very difficult for horses to re- recover for, from general anesthesia. Actually, um, but why is that?
1: I think so. The challenges facing the horses when they recover. It really sometimes comes down to coordinating their large size into the standing position, given the fact that they are perhaps disorientated after having a general anesthetic. Um, and that's that's commonly experienced in all animal species after general anesthesia. But horses have the additional challenge of having to to rise themselves. Um, They also have a flight nature, which may hinder the time they spend in recumbency while the effects of, of the anesthetic agent, whether that be an inhalational agent or an injectable agent, wears off. And also it's very hard from a safety perspective to intervene during recovery, meaning that we're sometimes limited really to using sedation and other assistance techniques such as head and tail rope assistance to try and facilitate a safe recovery for that horse.
0: Okay. Um, your article f- focuses more on uh, limb fracture sim- surgery. And it is mentioned that uh, recovery from general anesthesia can be very challenging from, for a patient undergoing fracture repair surgery, probably more than uh, from other, other surgeries. So why is it especially challenging for these patients
1: so I think horses undergoing fracture repair are likely to have a few additional factors. They're likely to have pre-existing pain. They may have been undergoing demanding exercise at the time of injury and therefore they may be tired, they may be suffering muscle fatigue, level level of circulating adrenaline may be high too. And the temperature temperament of the individual horse may also play a role. For these reasons, effective sedation and analgesia um, prior to induction of, of general anaesthesia is very important and effective local analgesia may also facilitate an improved recovery. Horses may be recovering um, after fracture repair surgery um, with a cast in place or a large bandage and this can, this can sometimes hinder recovery um, and hinder placement um, or, or their normal placement of their, of their limbs when they're, when they're attempting to stand. And furthermore, probably one of the biggest factors is the duration of general anesthesia may be increased um, during such such, um, surgeries uh, due to the complex nature of the procedure. And it's been well established that longer general anesthetic time is associated with a poorer quality of recovery.
0: Okay. Um, And still about the standing sedation. It was mentioned in your article that um, there were um, in the most of the colic cases, uh, horses had a history of, or at least it was found out that they resulted with the cecal dysfunction. Um, I was wondering what would explain the development of cecal dysmotility after. Surgical procedures performed under general anesthesia or standing sedation, both.
1: Um, so, I think
0: there's a few factors that that will be
1: common to both general anesthesia or standing sedation that will affect cecal motility. So, gastrointestinal motility and certainly cecal motility is adversely affected by sedative agents. So, alpha two agonists will depress gastrointestinal motility or cecal motility um opioids may also reduce uh motility but a, a big factor is also pain or the stress of hospitalization feeding management maybe maybe change, changed in the hospital environment or what, prior to um the horse undergoing surgery so i think all of these factors can contribute and i think um monitoring closely gastrointestinal function in horses um post-operatively whether that be after general anesthesia or standing sedation is really important.
0: Okay. Um, Now I had a a question about the um, study design that you based your article on from, uh, I think it was a study design from Abman. Uh, Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and you said that they highlight the importance of effective, uh, local, regional anesthesia techniques in standing patient to reduce the risk of sudden movement in response to surgical stimulation. Uh, could you please talk a little bit about those, uh, local regional anesthesia techniques, maybe introduce them and explain us in which cases they are most commonly used?
1: So there's a whole range of local anaesthetic techniques, largely depends on the region that you wish to desensitize, but they are going to be essential for standing surgery to ensure that there is complete desensitization of the operated region. They're used widely for standing procedures and um, when they're used together with effective sedation and also systemic analgesia, then they will greatly enhance the success of standing procedures. So um, vets will be very used to using um, local anaesthetic techniques and they, are, they do form often the, one of the biggest factors for um, improving the success and the safety of standing procedures. Okay,
0: thank you. Um, now I had the question about, um, other techniques, uh, because you mentioned that, uh, here I'm quoting your article, age type of surgery, duration of anesthesia, temperament, and other risk factors can affect how well a patient recovers from general (laughs) anesthesia. Uh, regrettably, the anesthesist is unable to control f- for these risk factors. So in order to improve the quality of recovery, numerous pharmacological interventions and recovery techniques have been devised. Uh, could you talk about those recovery techniques? Uh, what are these and how commonly are they used in practice? Um,
1: I would say um, when we talk about um Physical um, recovery assistance. We're talking about things like head and tail rope assistance, and that's probably the the most well known recovery assistance technique used in horses. Certainly in the UK, um, as an estimate, probably head and tail rope assistance might be used for fifty percent of practice in practices or or more than that. Um, but is is probably the the most well known. Um, technique so far used. There are other more advanced recovery techniques that, that people may have seen or, or read about, um, such as using a sling or a pool raft system, which are, are more likely to be used in specialist hospitals. Um, in terms of pharmacological assistance, I would say that um, sedation in itself has been shown to improve recovery quality. So the use of agents such as alpha two agonists, such as xylazine and remifidine are used quite commonly in recovery. And, um, I would say tend to improve, um, quality of recovery in, in
0: horses. Okay. Um and I can see that for standing sedation you mentioned that the temperament of the horse is paramount and it is as it is imperative that the horse stands square and remains still throughout the duration of the surgery um I was wondering how it is actually possible to assess that, especially uh, because I assume that you assess that when the horse is not under anesthesia. So how could you assume that they will react under anesthesia? Uh,
1: Well, I think that's difficult. I think there, there might be a few certain behavioral traits which indicate maybe that a horse is going to be less amenable to standing procedures. Very nervous horses or those that are easily startled may be more challenging to effectively sedate. Very young horses might also be challenging to, to, to sedate safely to ensure that they stand still. Um, but sometimes you don't really know until you try and horses horses who you may predict will be good candidates for a standing procedure are not actually amenable to it once you start. And for these horses, I think sometimes transition to general anesthesia may be the safest safest option. And so I think it's important to be prepared for that.
0: Um, for standing sedation, you mentioned that uh, today the main uh, stem compo- component of uh, sedation for standing sedation are alpha-2 receptor agonists, Uh, but you also talk about the fact that uh, in the study design that you (laughs) based your article on from Abman, um, they decided to um, uh, substitute uh, morphine for butorphanol uh, for standing surgery. Uh, What would you think could motivate this choice and what difference does it make?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, butorphanol is fairly commonly used as part of a sedation combination. But butorphanol provides short-lived analgesia, which is much less effective compared to morphine. For most surgical procedures, butorphanol wouldn't really provide effective analgesia. Um, and so often morphine is used instead. It's a pure muagonist opioid and provides superior analgesia compared to butorphanol but it also causes like all opioids do to different extents it does cause a reduction in gastrointestinal mot- motility and and that effect may well last a little bit longer than than butorphanol's effects um, and therefore this needs to be considered and the horse must be monitored closely for gastrointestinal function and for faecal outputs um, in that post
0: Okay. Um, what would you say that, um, like, I was wondering how how common are these uh, standing sedation procedures? Uh, so that leads me to my last question on what you were trying to aim with this article or this research. Uh, if you're trying to encourage more standing sedation, if in practice, if it's possible, of course?
1: Um, I think really we just aim to discuss the pros and cons on each side. There are definitely situations where standing surgery is advantageous, but the same is, is, is true, really, of general anaesthesia. And the article really was intended to discuss some of these points with reference to the literature to try and just provide the reader with a balanced and hopefully um, a, a bit of a practical approach.
0: Okay, um are there any other things that you would like to add some comments or some thoughts on this topic? Uh,
1: no, um I thought it was a very interesting case report that we that we um were able to to comment on, and it was nice really to look through the literature and be able to compare some of the different. Kind of techniques and also some of the different challenges that the authors described in their case reports when they were undertaking um, standing procedures in horses and you know the more that we do these standing procedures uh, then really the more we learn about how to do it safely and effectively
0: okay is it uh, something in your in your practice at the hospital that you do often this yes. these standing sedation.
1: Yeah, yeah. For a lot for a range of different techniques, but we do have the occasional horse that's not amenable to standing sedation techniques, for example a nucleation is a is a common procedure carried out, understanding sedation. But occasionally, horses won't tolerate that standing, and so then we would convert um, to general anaesthesia. So I just think it's important to you can you can begin with a a plan and an aim, um, but then it's important just to be able to transition to to general anaesthesia if you need to.
0: And could you explain a little bit? Uh, maybe our listeners might be wondering how, how actually it works in practice to do standing sedations, especially for limb fracture, if the horse has to like bear weight on their limb. Well, you just have to
1: be. I suppose have to be careful once once the limb is desensitized. Once the operated limb is desensitized, you have to be careful about how much you move that horse around, just so that there's no exacerbation of the fracture or there's no kind of further injury. So, I think things like that do need to be taken into account. And it's nice to have um, a dedicated standing surgery area that's nice and quiet it's away from the kind of traffic of the practice has a has a nice um grippy floor that that is that is not going to echo um and just have a, a room that's designed for to undertake standing procedures um that's nice and quiet and away from the rest of the practice
0: okay and I had um, maybe a bit more open question on uh, about anesthesia. I was wondering if, um, I don't know if it has happened to you during your career, if you have a, a horse that is not considered to be amenable for standing procedure, but also they cannot go under general anesthesia for some reasons, maybe uh, if you have an, a taxi horse or something, um, what could be the solutions in this kind of cases?
1: Uh, that's That's a tricky question, I suppose you may just have to adapt the procedure required um, in order to try and and do the best for the horse really but usually most horses either with effective local anesthetic and and procedures uh, techniques and sedation and analgesium you know most most techniques will be possible um, and we do have um, abilities to To assist recovery, so mild ataxia anyway, or kind of moderately ataxic horses, often they are depending on the reason that they're ataxic, but they are still potentially um, uh, candidates for general anesthesia.
0: Okay, well, thank you, Kate. Um, If you don't have any other comments or thoughts, then um, that would be the end of our podcast for today uh i hope our listeners will learn as much as i did and uh if you want to find the article it will you will have a link on the when the podcast is published mm-hmm. so you can directly follow with the article if you want uh so thank you kate for today you're very welcome i wish you all a pleasant day and hope to see you soon again on the equine veterinary education podcast Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Education podcast. More on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash eve.